Welcome to Media, the podcast for students and teachers where we talk about VCE media and media education in general. My name is Jenna Grace and I'm talking with Willem Kingmar, who made an outstanding experimental film for VCE media called Not Quite Right. Not Quite Right was selected for Top Screen in 2017, which is a festival celebrating the very, very best work in VCE media. So thanks for joining us, Willem. Thanks for having me, Jenna. No worries. <laughs> um, so first, can you tell us a little bit about what Not Quite Right is about? Yeah, so um, I guess the overall theme of it would be um, it's sort of about um, the beauty of imperfection um, and the way I went about kind of expressing that was by having this narrator, which I call the River Noir, and he takes you through a series of characters and, um, yeah, these characters have these sort of flaws or peculiarities or traits that, yeah, are meant to emphasise this idea that, that I've always liked, that, yeah, that you can find this beauty in imperfection. So, yeah. Ace, great. And can you talk to us a little bit more about what inspired you to make this film? Yeah. Um, well, over the past couple of years, um, these characters I kind of had in mind, but I didn't know whether I wanted to make them into individual animations and or, you know, eventually put them all together in one large animation. But I knew I wanted to have them all together in some way, shape or form. So I figured, you know make an orator and use that to link them all together. So, yeah, I guess the inspiration was that I had always wanted to make something of this, I guess, scale. I'd never really made something this big before, so, yeah. Oh, hello. We're about to go on a little excursion, if you will. Uh, there's no telling where we might end up. The map's a bit screwy, and to be perfectly honest, I'm a bit drunk. But that's okay. I'm sure you'll forgive me, because no one's perfect. And I guess that's the beauty of life and the gist of these stories or some shit like that. I'm unsure. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, smoking. Being a live action film with animation in it, can you talk to us about what uh, the most important part of the planning process was for you? Yeah, um, so I guess... The screenplay was extremely important for me because I think um, that dictated, you know, where about how the emotion of the actual film. Um, so, yeah, I think the screenplay was a big thing and, and that's why I started handwriting it because whenever I handwrite, I always find it, it comes out a lot better when uh, compared to when I type because typing, I think, gives you too much freedom to backspace and, you know, re-edit. And, and I tried it and it ended up being awful. So I went back to my handwritten one, continued with that. So screenplay and, and then organising actors who just aren't actors and they were just, you know, friends of mine who I had a feeling could actually pull it out. So it was organising them, walking around, working around their schedule. So, yeah, I think that was pretty important to get on top of, yeah. Great. So... Can you talk to us about the production exercises? Now, production exercises are uh, uh, two small exercises where you basically practice uh, techniques to help you in your final um, final media product. So can you talk to us about what you did and how they informed your production? Yeah. Um, so I ended up, uh, well, first of all, we did a storyboard for it which was the first production exercise. But the um, second one was actually making a music video for my um, my friend's band, um, The Tiny Giants. And 
they want to release this single for their new album and they want it to be kind of like a higher production looking one than ones we did before. So I figured, well, this could be a good time to test out um, my spotlighting, which is something I wanted to use a lot in my film. So got to test out spotlights and everything like that. Um, and then, yeah, also test out framing with a 50 mil because I, I really wanted to use a 50 mil um, throughout the entirety of the film and try and work with a 50 mil lens. So the spotlighting, um, yeah, using the 50 mil and I guess, yeah, also working with actors who I knew I was going to actually be working with in my film and it ended up giving me an indication as to which actor was eventually going to have a meltdown, which happened, so I was prepared for it and, um, yeah, so I managed to replace him swiftly, which is good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just kind of, it was all, yeah, it's really, it helped me work out the style I was going for, so, yeah. Juan has just lost his thumbs. He only got into this underground wrestling scene to pay for guitar lessons. But I guess that's not going to do much good now. Uh, shooting always has its issues and challenges. Can you talk to us a little bit about principal photography? Um, any advice that you have around that or what are some issues that you ran into? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess the advice I'd say is, well, because I... I found it really interesting using a 50mm lens for the entire thing um, because it really gives you restrictions and it, it doesn't it doesn't allow you to become lazy with shots and just zoom out or something like that. So you really have to try and frame it up and, and um, yeah, make sure it all fits in. So, But that was also um, one of the biggest issues that we ran into was trying to work with the 50mm lens. So, But, um, you know, a lot of landscape shots, I was thinking, well, I'm probably going to have to, you know, go to the wider one so yeah I'd say yeah working with the lens was the hardest bit and then lighting every now and then gave us a bit of grief especially when I had one time where we were working with natural lighting and it ended up kept becoming blown out every time the clouds would reveal the sun so I had to keep waiting for the clouds to cover up the sun again so that the light was even so we were there for like three hours just hanging about for like this really quick shot that we had to get um so yeah Lighting, lenses, yeah. Cordelia records and sells her own audiobooks, which she distributes amongst her peers. It's a long process, but ultimately, she's saving up for the most extravagant library of her dreams. It's hard to come by blank tapes, so there's always a little extra something at the end to reflect that little romantic inside her. So, post-production is usually a fairly difficult process. You not only had live action, you also had animation. Um, can you talk to us, you know, how did you go with editing? What programs did you use? Yeah, um, so I used Final Cut Pro just to um, put everything together um, because it's a pretty, yeah, pretty easy format, um, pretty, pretty easy program to kind of work around. You can just chuck things on top of each other. So that worked well for me. Um, for the animation, I used... Drag and frame, um, which was really good because I was working with actual paper to, to hand draw all of my animations. Um, it meant that I could 
have it down and have my camera over the top of it and also get like a rotoscope thing kind of going on the laptop screen so I could see where I was working my animations with the live action footage with this layer which is like a, a lowered opacity so I could you know make sure that the skeleton of the person was inside their body and that um, you know this little death creature was not going on to the character but just about to reach onto him so yeah that worked really well with um working all together but just a very long process doing it by hand and on paper and um you kind of have to get yourself in a very trance-like mindset to get through it <laughs> yeah what about some of the sound editing that yeah. you experienced um sound editing because i i had never really worked with proper dialogue before so you know, I was working with trying to get a really nice soundtrack for the entirety of the film and and I kind of realised halfway through that the soundtrack I thought I was going to use ended up not really happening. So I just kind of I worked out that it was going to take away from the actual film. So it was kind of a an explore, a interesting process seeing how sound how much it, how much of a difference it makes to a film. Um, it really kind of yeah, I finally saw how that is. So yeah, great. And talking about soundtracks, how did you get copyright permission for your music that you used? How did you go about? That's often a big challenge that we face. So yeah, yeah. Um, so my mate uh, Mitch, he's a musician, and um, he he's up in Melbourne now, and um, he's self, you know, self copyrighted so there's no connections to any labels or anything like that so he just released on Bandcamp for free this little EP demos called Warped Demos so and there were a few um, guitar tracks that had this really nice like deep jingy like jingle jangle kind of uh, like jangly kind of guitar and I thought it just kind of suited the style of like the beginning and end of my film so yeah I just I just literally asked him and he said yep that's fine and um, I just got to use that so that was good because it just avoided having to pay money for copyright of music or anything like that. Um, and then I had, yeah, one little piano track, which was just a piece that I had just made up myself. So I just I played it on the my little uh, keyboard thing that connected into GarageBand and I just um, worked around with the pitch and made it sound a bit more real, um, <laughs> like an actual piano. So, yeah, it was all just trying my best to just keep it actually like music that I definitely know is ours and we don't have to worry about copyright at all so yeah <laughs> yeah that's some really great advice to find a friend who makes music or make music yourself for your final piece so would um, would you like to share any other major advice that you have for people going in making their final productions I, I guess the big thing I'd say is to just make something for yourself um, because I think you'll find if you're trying to make something with a, where you're trying to appeal directly to someone about a, an audience or something like that. Um, but I think first and foremost, you should make something for yourself because in the end, people will be able to work out. They'll find interest in something that you've made for yourself and they'll, they'll pick up on new things you know, rather than trying to appeal just to yeah, a broader, broader audience or something like that. So, yeah, and planning. Yeah, because that was the first time I did a lot of planning and it paid off. It was the first time I made a film and it actually didn't feel as chaotic as it usually does. So planning was good. Yeah, I'm not really a planner, so that was good. <laughs> That's so great. Thank you so much for speaking us, uh, speaking with us today, Willem, and sharing some of your wisdom and advice. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Media. Uh, thank you to Jenna Grace and Willem Kingma for taking the time to have what turned out to be a really inspiring conversation. If you'd like to see Not Quite Right, head along to Top Screen 2017, which opens on March 9 at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. You can also watch the film online by following the link in the show notes uh, and catch it at Top Design, which is a free exhibition for students uh, that runs at the Melbourne Museum between Saturday, March 18 and Sunday, July 16. If you'd like to support this podcast, subscribe on iTunes or Android by following the links in the show notes. You can also follow us on Facebook by heading over to facebook.com forward slash lesson bucket. For more information about VCA Media, feel free to check out our websites, uh, lessonbucket.com and the wonderful work of Robert Young at 30 Degrees. Thanks so much. Catch you next time.